Hey, hey, superheroes, this is Dr. Tony Jones, and welcome to the Not Your Average Superhero Podcast, where not all superheroes wear costumes. Hey, superheroes, so on today's show, we will have the song of the month, the comic book comparison of the month, and our topic for this month will be toxic positivity. We will close out the show with the intervention of the month, as always. All right, let's get into it. So the song of the month this month is the Black Eyed Peas, I've Got a Feeling. This is a very popular tune. You all know it. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. Yeah, so I'll tell you that song, that's one of my go-to songs when I just need a little uplifting. Um, It's definitely a good dance tune and I am someone who I definitely love to dance. I love to wiggle, I love to giggle, and I can do all of that with this song. So this is one of my feel-good songs if I'm having a bad day. Um, And I don't even necessarily have to pull the song up. I just sing that little phrase over and over and over. So whatever is going on, you know, I'm like, look, it's going to be a good day. Like, I'm legit using that song to command whatever the situation is to turn around and to turn my mood around um and be in a better mood all right so um this comic book comparison of the month mm -mm, i want to switch it up just a little bit and compare a comic book character that is famous for their role not only as a villain but also an anti-hero Um, one of my favorites in the DC comic realm, Harleen Quinzel, AKA Harley Quinn. Um, and then, you know, for, for those of you who are not really into comics, I'll say, um, Harley Quinn is one of the most popular, um, DC comics characters, um, in doing a lot of research on her, um, it it was supposed to be like a one and done deal with her appearance, but she was really popular. So she was written into the comics um, as a reoccurring role. Um, and she's just kind of taken over. Like Harley Quinn is that girl. Um, many people know Harley Quinn because of her relationship with the Joker. She is portrayed often as ditzy, crazy, and chaotic. Um, With the Joker, she is seen, you know, blowing up innocent people, children, all because he told her to. She wanted to please the Joker and she was happy to do his bidding. Many may know her origin story as a psychiatrist in a prison, well, not a prison, but in the Gotham Asylum, um, where she was um, actually providing therapeutic services to the Joker. Um, So there are a couple of um, 
variations of the story. In one version of the story, she is his therapist and she's working with him at Gotham Asylum and she falls in love with him um, as he's telling her about his childhood abuse that he endured. And he's talking about, you know, his hatred for the Batman and she just cannot help but to love this man. And another um, incarnation of the story, the Joker pushes Harley into Harleen into a vat of chemicals that bleaches her skin and turns her skin white. So you see she has very uh, pale, fair skin in the um, comics on paper and as well as in the um, movie depictions of her. Um, And that causes her to go insane. Um, There are other variations of the Harley Quinn story but for the purposes of this show I'm going to stick to that variation that you know for all intents of purposes the Joker caused her to go insane but Harleen Quinzel was a woman who had a doctorate degree in psychology she was the first in her family to go to college um, and she actually went to college for psychology because of her chaotic home life that was that actually helped fuel her passion to help others so I'm just gonna throw this out there for those of us in the helping profession can you relate or not because that's a real thing a lot of people in the helping profession go into their profession because of something that they may have experienced personally or as a bystander in their childhood. Unfortunately for Dr. Quinzel, she met the Joker and Harley Quinn was birthed as a result. Harley Quinn pursues what she wants in life. Um, As Dr. Quinzel, she was seeking achievement um, and identity with the Joker. She is carefree and she doesn't have to worry about goals or achievement. Her life doesn't have structure. She's able to disassociate for doc- from Dr. Quinzel into a person that, um, that is searching, well, that, that is no longer searching for an identity outside of her chaotic upbringing. She is trying to find her fit in the world, yes. Um, But I feel Harley Quinn is an attempt to disassociate from pain despite living a life riddled in pain from physical and physical, verbal and emotional abuse from the Joker. So this is my opinion just off of everything that I've read on Harley Quinn. Um, Because as you also read different variations, She's a very loving person. Um, She's loyal. Um, And and it changes, of course, as you see different incarnations. Her character and her personality is depicted differently. Um, So, you know, one of the things that actually remains the same is her dependence on others. Um, You know, she teams up with different um, villains outside of the Joker, Sometimes she, you know, tags with Batman a little bit. Her and Poison Ivy actually are really close. So, um, you know, she just, she is a person seeking to find her place. Um, So that brings me to the show content. Much like Dr. Quinzel. 
I have had my own share of adverse childhood experiences that led me into the world of social work. And, you know, adverse childhood experiences does not necessarily have to be um, directly impacting you, although most of the time it does. And I'll talk about that in another episode. Um, Because sometimes the things that we don't experience, but we see someone else experience as a secondary traumatic um, stressor can impact us. Um, But my family and I joke about, you know, my path into social work all the time. Like we'll sit around, they'd be like, oh, you went to social work because of us. And I'm like, yep. I I sure did. Like, I'ma tell you a lot of the papers that I wrote on my family and my friends actually, you know, got me through the program. I had a 4.0. <laughs> um actually a 3.8 when I graduated. But nonetheless, I was able to use my experiences um to get through grad school. Um And they helped me to make sense of my lived experience through new information that I gained in school. They helped me to empathize with those that I work with now. Um, So when I'm speaking with someone at work, or even if it's just a friend or, you know, randomly people just come and tell me all their business and I don't know why, but I know um, this has been something that has happened to me my entire life where people just come and they unload on me. Um, a lot of times people think what they're telling me surprises me and it doesn't. Um, and I can honestly look people in the face and say, Hey, I understand. And a lot more than not. And it's okay. I don't, I don't take that as a bad thing that I can understand some things that maybe people will be like, you are professional. What you mean? You understand? Listen, honey. I was a person before I was a professional and I had to live through some things. Um, and I had to discover that in life, um, much like Har- Harleen Quinzel, I had a desire to achieve, to be better and to please. Um, so that's the reason why I'm comparing myself to Harley Quinn. Um, I thank God that now the people pleasing side of me has decreased. Um, But much like the last topic that I spoke on, uh, which was taking the S off of my chest, I always had to make sure that the people around me were proud of me. Um, I used to find my identity through the words of family and hearing I'm proud of you. That used to be my goal. And that's just me being honest. Um, I remember as a kid, the worst thing an adult could tell me was, I am disappointed in you. I remember it used to make me feel like a failure. I used to feel physically nauseous and I would cry at hearing the words, I'm disappointed in you. Like I would rather you beat me than to say, I'm disappointed in you. And I didn't get you know, spankings often, um, probably needed to, but I didn't. Um, but if you told me that you was disappointed in me, that would break my spirit. 
I didn't want to be a disappointment. I wanted to please my family members. If I wasn't succeeding, who was I? I was praised for my grades and my achievements. And that somehow became what I knew. Um, that was a very real thing for me. I personally had to learn that it was okay to not be okay. That I didn't have to have all the answers. And even if I felt like it would be all right in the end, that it was okay to cry in the moment. My persona was the strong one. Y'all remember me talking about how I enjoyed hearing that I was a hero last episode or a shero, excuse me. Um, yeah, I learned that in grad school. And honestly, as a woman of color, this is something that is experienced far too often. I just took it to the extreme. I felt Every day I had to put on my big girl panties and keep it moving. But, you know, I like to keep it cute and call it my ass on my chest. But let me tell y'all, the Shiro doesn't know how to ask for help. I think I mentioned that last time. The Shiro doesn't like to show emotion. The Shiro did what was needed to be done for it to all be right in her little world. Although on the inside, there was chaos, there was sadness, there was rage. I was trying to find my fit. I had to be an achiever. And to some degree, I had people to prove wrong. See, at that time, I was a first time mom. And there was a conversation that I had with this um, woman who told me that if I went to grad school, I would not have a relationship with my baby. And oh, baby, let me tell you, those words fuel something in me. They fuel so many sleepless nights because I had something to prove. I would not and I could not fail. But the other feeling was, I can't fail this innocent baby that didn't ask to be here. So that identity of being a mom and having a sense of responsibility that was greater than myself kicked in too. Then there was a sense of purpose. Because around that time, I could tell that God was dealing with me and my desires because the kid, this kid, this kid here talking right now that now has a doctorate. I never wanted to go to college. And I tell people all the time, the only reason why I went to college was because my mama said so. I wanted to go to the Air Force and she told me as her only daughter, I could not go. <laughs> so while people saw on the outside that I appeared cool as a, cool, a cucumber, excuse me, um, I appeared cool as a cucumber on the outside but on the inside there was chaos and there was a war waging so I use Harley Quinn one because I love Harley Quinn but I also imagine that during this time I was watching Harley Quinn or aka the Shiro or the anti-hero however you want to call it walking away as she blew something up that was my mental state at that time. Things was blowing up left and right. 
I wasn't addressing how I was feeling. I was holding it in. I mean, you know, it was a mess. On the inside, a lot of people couldn't tell it on the outside unless they was close to me. Um, Because then, somewhere along the way on that journey, I created this persona that I am now more aware of, that I now know how to check, but I didn't even realize had it, it had existed or showed up. To avoid the pain of disappointment or failure, I leaned into toxic positivity. So toxic positivity, or sometimes called positive toxicity, is a dysfunctional approach to emotional management that happens when people do not fully acknowledge negative emotions, particularly anger and sadness. Toxic positivity is the belief that everyone should be positive all the time, regardless of the difficulties, tragedy, or hardship. And sadly, these people can come across as being dismissive of the expression of any other authentic emotion besides happiness. I personally began to regard myself as someone who always saw the cup half full instead of half half empty. And you may be thinking, that's not a bad thing. Right? I mean, it's great to see the cup half full versus half empty. Because you see possibility. You see hope. And I I definitely want to be where hope abides. But... As I began to be honest with myself and reflect, there were a lot of times where I used positivity to avoid the reality of a situation, to avoid how a situation made me feel, to kind of gloss over what it was because I didn't want to speak on how I felt because that meant I had to be vulnerable. I did not want to ask for help Because again, you know, people come with you with questions when the strong one asks for help. And you don't get the same response from people that you lend to them when you need help. So I'm good. Everything's going well. I highlight the the ups in life, not the downs because they don't exist. And especially if you don't know me. Oh, no, everything Gucci over here. We're good. Like me and my baby, we rolling. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm struggling. I want to cry. I want to scream. I am not okay. Those were the words that I needed to say. 
but toxic positivity would not let me say. It took a while for me to become comfortable saying, I feel frustrated right now. Like, for whatever reason, I used to feel like that was me complaining. I didn't want to be a complainer because nobody likes a complainer. I didn't want to seem ungrateful because I had a lot to be grateful for. And it just didn't feel right. Like, for whatever reason, and nobody told me this, but for whatever reason, I just felt like it was wrong. Because there was a war waging on the inside. And I was trying to find my fit. Which side do I need to be on? And I created this whole scenario within myself to tuck away my feelings. And I'm going to tell y'all, that actually come with some consequences. Um, it doesn't always have to be mental. It can show up in your body. Because um, I, you know, me having to be the strong person. You know, me having to be Miss Goody Two-Shoes or appear to be Miss Goody Two-Shoes and appear to have it all together. Oh, yeah, it, it, it definitely comes with um, some consequences. But I have learned since then, and I am here to tell you that it is okay to feel how you are feeling. It is okay to acknowledge your feelings. It is okay to not be okay in the moment. And we don't want to get stuck there. But it's okay to say, I'm not okay right now. And like last week, we was talking about, I mean, last month, we were talking about boundaries. Yeah, we, we can say, I don't have the bandwidth for that. And I need to set up a boundary because right now I'm not okay. That leads me to the intervention of the month. This month's intervention may seem simple or difficult, depending on your level of avoidance of pain. However, what I have found is that by acknowledging my pain or negative emotion, I am not stuffing it down to allow it to fester into bitterness um, or discontentment. I'm not simply complaining and I am not left in a state of feeling unresolved. The intervention for this month is journaling. Journaling can allow you to write out how you are feeling, what you are feeling, and if you know why you are feeling. Journaling is personal and private unless you choose to share. So there is an element to journaling that is judgment free unless you're judging yourself. Through journaling, you can track your emotions and reflect on them. And you can also discover room to grow from them. For me, when I journal, I try to balance out my feelings with scripture. So 
I'm going to use a real example. When I am feeling frustrated about my finances, which honestly, that's something that I do often. Um, I get frustrated because financially there is so much in life I want to do. I want to show my children the world. I want to give them a house that will be a home and a safe place for not only them, but their friends. A place that is warm enough for gatherings and not physically warm, but emotionally warm. I want the desires of my heart. But I'm really frustrated at times because this is not my reality in this moment. I can see it with my vision, my spiritual vision and my sight and in my dreams. Um, and I'll say sometimes I, I feel like I don't know how I can do this on my own. Um, and that's just being real. But then after I write all of those feelings down and I just kind of regurgitated on the page, um, then I may add something like this because my filter is my relationship with God. Um, so I may add something like Philippians 4.19 and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then I write, I may not have what I want, but I am blessed. I have a roof over our heads, clothes on our backs, food on our tables, and we lack nothing that we need. And for that, I'm thankful. Yes, I have things that I want and I want them all now. <laughs> and I acknowledge that, but I don't have to have them right now. So this is just an example of something I may feel. I mean, I'm, this is just me being real because it's my show. And I said, I'm taking y'all on the journey with me, right? Um, this is an example of what I may be feeling. I truly acknowledge it and why I feel this way. Um, because the why was sometimes I don't know if I can do this on my own, right? I'm not dismissing my feelings. I'm saying what they are. I'm saying why they're there. And then I acknowledge and accept them. In this particular case, I also use my faith to prioritize my gratefulness that, yes, I do have things that I desire, but at least I'm not lacking. And that and that just because I don't know how it's going to happen and it's not happening now doesn't mean that I can't have it or I can't achieve it. Um, and I'll tell you, for me, it makes a world of a difference. Because just what I read, that's a personal excerpt. That ain't where I've always been. Like, that's growth, honey. Uh, because I used to get my journal and my pen and I used to cry and my paper would be filled with tears. And it's just like, Lord, why? Why, why, why? Why me? Why isn't it happening? When is it going to happen? 
I can't see the end. I don't like this. <laughs> so I am so grateful to be able to look at the growth because I'm acknowledging my pain and I feel free. I feel free to express my emotions, not only now with myself and my God, but with my friends and with my family. But it took some work and it didn't necessarily start with going to therapy. You know, I did work myself up to that, but it started with writing in a journal and just letting it all loose in a journal. Um, again, I do want to say that I encourage everyone to try Jesus and therapy. If Jesus is not your thing, please try therapy. Um, this is not something that I'm doing to tell people not to go to therapy. I believe in going to therapy. It works. However, if you are like me and you need to work yourself up, I am offering some tips that may help you to get there. Um, so that's just my little um, tag for therapy right there. Um, I suggest if you are like me, give journaling a try. Don't just sweep your feelings under the rug. It's okay to not acknowledge them. And hopefully you'll grow from acknowledging them as well. So that's it. That's the show. Please make sure that you leave a comment reviewing this episode. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Um, yeah, talk to me. I want to hear your thoughts. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for joining me on today at the Not Your Average Superhero Podcast. Make sure you follow me on IG at NotYourAverage underscore Superhero. And remember, it's okay. You don't have to save the world today. See you next time, superheroes.